Hey, y'all. It's Syra. I am really excited about this episode because Megan finally starts to dig into what finding a bank that fits her goals and lifestyle looks like. Things also get serious when she asks me what exactly a fintech company is. And to be honest, I might get a little too pumped up about it. I can't help but take this back to 1971, which was when a lot of banks wouldn't issue women credit cards or open up checking accounts without their husbands. Can you imagine having to get a man's permission to be able to handle your money? Simply wild to me. Anyways, let's dive in. Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Fun, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at HM Bradley, and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by StockTwits. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. Tell me how the last week went. Tell me what happened, what worked, what didn't work. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I want to thank you. And I'm excited that we're having these conversations because I'm getting a lot more, or I am having a lot better financial hygiene, which feels good. And yeah, I'm starting to incorporate it into my daily routine. Amazing. Which isn't giving me as much anxiety as I thought it would which feels good. Do you feel like, I know we talked about it a little bit during the week, but do you feel like you're able to start fitting into your skinny jeans a little bit better Mm. in terms of the finance world because you've been thinking about this so much? I love that you're using that. It's like putting on your jeans. How are they fitting instead of weighing yourself? How do they? Yeah. They're feeling good. Like I can button the top and zip them up. It's a little tighter in my ass than I (laughs) wish it was, but bitch loves a squat. Girl, you've always had a good butt. Nobody complaining about your butt. No complaints. Yeah. Good. So what did you end up doing? Like, what did you achieve in the last week? What were some of the hurdles and what were some of your accomplishments? I would say accomplishments around budgeting is I actually started doing some of the math that we've talked about. So I looked at my annual income, minus 401k, minus taxes, medical employee purchase program. If you have that, I do. I get a buy stock, which is cool. I took that number and I then started to figure out what goes into each of those three accounts. Yes. And can we talk about this for a second? Was it hard doing all of that or was it more of a mental like, shit, I need to sit down for 20 minutes and do this? It was hard in the way that I was anxious to do it. But the thing is, a number is a number. And it's not going to change. And so I think I got over it pretty quickly. I was like a little, my heart sank a little when I saw the annual (laughs) after all that shit's taken out, you know? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But I'm very proud of myself. I don't know if you saw the note because we share a note on this, which I love. But I actually recalibrated the percentages you gave me. Based on what we talked about, it was 66 was going into my bills. 33% was going into my savings. And then we were trying to do like $100 a week. And so when I looked at the numbers, I was like, oh, it's actually 60% bills because now I'm going through my bills with my partner 
to figure out what we can pay for, what we can get rid of, et cetera. And so it's 60% goes into my bills, 33% goes into my savings, and now I have 7% going into my fund money. Does that feel? Which is that still that $100? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. okay. The key for me is twofold, that you have something, whatever it is you can afford going into your savings, and that you're allocating a very specific amount to your fund money so that you're more cognizant of how much you're spending versus just telling yourself you can spend whatever you want. So those are the two big goals. So I actually think that you completed both hurdles somewhat seamlessly. I'm really proud of you for being able to have done both in the matter of a week. That being said, how did Taylor feel when you presented all of that stuff to him? Was he okay with it? Was he like, oh, I want to do it too? Like what was his reaction? He's definitely not at the I want to do it too phase yet because he is slow to move um, and does his very thorough research. But I think he was a little bit excited to see like, oh, these are our household bills. And I actually added up what they were per year. Did your heart sink? Yeah, into my asshole. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) For what it's worth, the first time everybody does it, when you realize how much money you have spent versus how much you could have saved, I feel like everyone, I mean, everyone shits their pants a little bit. When I realized how much money I had been spending on rent in Seattle, I thought I was going to die. It's, It's hard. It's a hard reality that you come to realize once you start annualizing everything, because it's much easier to think about it on a monthly basis, which is also the same for budgeting, by the way, now that you've figured it out, than it is to think about the big picture. Like when you actually break out how much of your salary is dedicated to just living, it makes so much more sense, doesn't it? It really does. Good. Well, I'm proud of you for doing that. Thank you. So what was one thing that you think everyone should know that you did this last week that you're like, if I had to do this all over again, this is the one thing I hope everyone else does too? I think I would tell people to start out what I did this week, which is what I learned, is figure out what those three numbers are for you based on what your goals are for one year or if you're just trying to become more financially literate. Because now I feel really empowered because I'm like, I get paid this much per year. Got it. That's the number. And now I can start to see where that money is going. And I feel like I have more control, which is liberating in a strange way. It really is. Like I feel a little lighter because of it. It's a lot easier to add that Domino's subscription when you know how much you're spending on that Domino's subscription. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which I don't think there's any, but okay. (laughs) You look like you want to murder me. And In case anyone's wondering, by the way, and then we can shift to the next subject, but in case anyone's wondering, Megan's light bulbs may or may not change as the pizza goes into the oven (laughs) from Megan's Domino subscription (laughs) behind her, if you can see the video from your Domino subscription. Anyways, so let's take a quick break and then we can shift to what we want to chat about this week now that you have everything set up and you figured it out. Sound good? Sounds great. Perfect. What are you drinking, by the way? I just have a Diet Coke, which I never drink, for the record. You and Taylor are becoming one in the no, same. No, no, no. You're slowly melding into the same monster. He drinks Diet Coke every morning to wake up. It's so gross. Instead of coffee, does he drink coffee too, or does he only drink the Diet only Coke? Only drinks Diet Coke. So strange. Isn't that weird? I feel like there has to be an entire crowd of people that follow that path, though. Like Warren Buffett drinks a Diet Coke every single day. He does? You know that? Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's how he made his millions, right? Like, or billions now, but his first stock was Coke. Like he really believed in that product and that is how he made all his money. And now he drinks Coke every single day. Wow. He really puts his, (laughs) his money where his mouth is. He gets a little can, cracks it open. Ew. I personally picture him with like a little straw in it, you know, like he shoves a straw in the can and then he doesn't put his mouth on that. Mine's in a nice tall highball glass. Oh, very fancy. That looks more like a rum and coke. That doesn't look like a diet coke. I couldn't put any alcohol in it. I just couldn't. So true or false, you actually wash that sweater before putting it on again. True. (laughs) And I love that you called me out. You were like, did you buy that sweater? Because it comes out of your fun money. Oh, hell yeah. I called you out on that. Okay. So let's pause for a second. Let's jump into the second part of this, which is, in my opinion, we're going to have a couple conversations here. But the biggest thing is you just started attaching yourself to this $100 a week budget. And when you and I were chatting earlier this week with our producer, you had on this beautiful sweater, which I absolutely love. But immediately in my head, I was like, First of all, I know your wardrobe like the back of my hand because I have stolen things from it and I have walked in and out of that closet a million times. And I was like, that is a new sweater. So I texted you on the side and I asked you if you bought it. And I was like, otherwise it comes out of the fun money because that looks like a several hundred dollar sweater. That doesn't look like a hundred dollar sweater. And what did you say? My sister gave it to me. It was free. (laughs) Christmas presents, Christmas closets. Love it. The best the best. If my sister wasn't five foot four, it's still more of her shit. So I feel that on a deep level. Anyways, I guess the first question that I have for you off of that is, did you spend any of your hundred dollars this week? And if you didn't, did you have moments where you had to think about it and be like, is this worth it? And how did it go? I've spent 50 out of my hundred dollars this week. On what? I had to get new eyebrow pencil. You do have amazing eyebrows. <laughs> nobody's listen. Nobody's going to take that away from you. So I, I support have that right now. You know, <laughs> I got cat called on my eyebrows the other day. Hey man, if a guy's really into nice eyebrows, can you say no? So you spent fifty dollars, and did you transfer that money back into your checking for your bills then? So we didn't talk about this piece of it, but the first thing you have to do when, as soon as you spend that money, you have to transfer that money back out from your fun money back into your bills because it's no longer part of your fun money. Ah, I hear what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. You're slowly shifting that out. Or did you just swipe a debit card when you bought yeah, it? Yeah, because I haven't changed my bank yet, which I think is the okay. second set of what we're going to talk about today. Okay. So let's dive into that then. First of all, I'm proud of you. You saved $50 this week, which is more than most human beings can say out of their fun money. So congratulations for doing that on top of the 33% that you are now saving per week. So I'm super, super proud of you on that front. Tell me about what you found in terms of fintech companies versus banks. What questions did you have? What are you concerned about? What are you not concerned about? You obviously haven't changed your bank, which means nothing compelled you to do anything quickly. Well, okay. So I did some research. So essentially, I think we talked about this last week. We were like, okay, let's ground ourselves on maybe some questions for Megan to go out to Google and ask. One of them was like, what bank has the best savings? What bank has the best APY? What are the best fintech companies? So of course, me being very much the layman that I am started with, what's fintech? (laughs) Okay. And what did you find out? What does fintech mean? 
I'm going to read it verbatim. Computer programs and other technology used to support or enable banking and financial services. Right. Good to know. Yes. So just to kind of give you real world versions of that, a fintech can be the mobile app that you're using on your phone to deposit money by taking a picture of your check and putting it into your bank account. Your fintech can be the apps that you use to swipe your credit card. It's literally from the moment that you swipe your credit card, everything that happens from the second that you swipe all the way until it hits your bill, those are all through fintech companies. So there are a thousand different types of fintech companies and they don't just tie on to like online banks, which I think is what most people envision when they think fintech. Fintech companies also belong inside of banks. So banks are built on financial technologies. The way that you're able to deposit money, the way that you take money out, everything at an ATM, everything that a commercial bank or a retail bank does, all of those things are part of the fintech ecosystem. So it's a really, really big and vast world that a lot of people just don't know that much about. It's just kind of a buzzword right now. But I think that what you said is the easiest definition. Okay, got it. But just stemming from what you're saying, does that mean there isn't very much of a difference between a fintech company or a fintech bank? I don't know if that's... Okay, so fintech companies that are online or digital banks... They have their own name. They're called Neobank. So when you hear someone say Neobank, that just means that it's an online bank, which really just usually, not always, usually means it's a really cool technological front to some other bank that is sponsoring them. So depending on what bank you're talking about, they're supported by a bank that has its own branches, that has its own I'll call it brick and mortar logo and all of the things within their own ecosystem. But in the fintech world, they are supported by one of those banks. So no, at the end of the day, no. One is an online, really beautiful piece of marketing that is supported by a bank. And one is a bank that probably doesn't have the best online version. Got it. Okay. So they're pretty much doing the same function. It's just who can get you the best for you. Yes, correct. All right. So what I started to do after I Googled what's fintech and found the definition, for the record, I do this for almost anything. I am a huge advocate of getting back to basics, even if it's something I'm very knowledgeable on. I just, I like doing it because then you have a grounding point. What is it? And then you move on. Anyway. Yeah. So then I started typing in some of those questions, like what are the best fintech banks out there with the best savings accounts or interest rates or what have you. And I scrolled past all the paid ads at the top. And I started to find what I thought were cool articles of people talking about them. You know, real people talking about banks, not the banks trying to talk to me. And so this is not in prioritized order by any means. The first one I found was Ally Bank. Oh, your face. It's purple. Nothing. Enough. I'm not saying or doing anything. I'm here to not react. Okay. This is what I found. And I have like five bullets. They have a 0.5% APY, but I couldn't find the compound interest. And just to recap from last week, what I learned is how often that APY is compounded, right? Like how often they... Oh, now I'm saying it wrong. Say it for me. <laughs> So if you want like an apples to apples comparison, you just need to look at the APY. Got it. So the APY gives you that apples to apples comparison. Got it. 
So compared to other banks. Yes. So you're saying Ally had a 0.5% APY? Yes. Okay. So that's great. So give me the next step. What was the next thing that you did? I just kept listing out things that they had that I thought were interesting. In order to set up an account, they had no minimum balance required, which I like. I'm in marketing, so I liked this. They had a thing that they called buckets, which is essentially a way to figure out what your goals are and track your accounts based on those goals. I liked having that infused into it. I thought that was interesting. They set up automatic transfers from checking to savings based on like a threshold that you set from the get-go. That's kind of what I found, like base plate. Cool. With Ally. Yeah. And then I have a ton of questions. (laughs) So that's awesome. I still think that you have fallen victim to SEO. Damn. (laughs) Something that I love about you as a marketing person is that I feel like you try so hard to skip the marketing that you forget how easy SEO is to manipulate. Yeah. So let's not get it twisted. Everything that you just told me is something you should be looking for in a bank. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Do I think Ally is the only one or the best one? No. But that being said, fire away at questions because they could easily, you know what I mean? If this checks all of your boxes, I see no reason why this can't be your starting point. And if you decide that you want to go somewhere else later, go for it. Okay. So I didn't actually try to open an account. I did with the second search I'll talk to you about, but okay. where are the hidden fees? Like, what's the catch? Do you know what I mean? I'm like reading through all this. I'm like, sure, it sounds great, but like, where's the catch? And how do you spot that shit? That's a really good question. So most banks right now that are trying to catch a millennial like you in terms of marketing will say that they have low to no fees, right? Like the big banks, for what it's worth, they all have fees. So if you recognize the name, you're catching yourself in a trap and you're most likely going to pay fees. But there are a lot of companies, whether they're fintech companies slash neobanks or whether they're actual banks, that will offer you what I call a teaser rate, which means initially they'll give you a slightly better savings rate just to capture your direct deposit, right? Because think about the fact that we've now been talking about this for several weeks and you still haven't moved your direct deposit. Direct deposits are considered to be super sticky, which means once you move it to another bank, the chances of you moving it to another bank after that are much lower because of the fact that you have to put forth some effort to move your direct deposit, right? You have to contact your employer, log in, do all this crap to move where your direct deposit's going. So people are continuously going to market to you to try to get you in the door, which means initially they'll probably offer you lower fees. Initially, they're probably going to tell you that there's no fees for like one year or whatever the case may be. Very few banks will actually offer you a long haul, no fee base, meaning you can withdraw money if you need to get cash out, if you need to transfer, if you need to do like a zillion different things in a month. All of those things rarely, if ever, come without just a teaser period. So you have to find a bank that's willing to do all of these things without charging you additional, right? And that's kind of the trap is when they tell you no fees and then there's an asterisk. It's no fees within the first six months, Megan. Mm. So that's what you want to look out for is the fine print. But you're not going to know that until you look at five or six different banks and you start noticing like, oh, my APY is 5% subject to change per terms and conditions, which means it's 0.5% for the first like two weeks. And then two weeks in, LA is going to text you and be like, hey, we're lowering your rate to 0.2. And do they, I mean, I guess it's up to their discretion, but- 
Do they do it based on how much money you actually have in an account too? It depends. So there are some banks that will have minimum thresholds. From what I've seen, a lot of the banks have eradicated that requirement because they're cognizant of the fact that most people don't carry large cash balances unless they're relatively wealthy or have a large savings. So something that I personally have noticed is that that's been for the most part eradicated. Some of the smaller banks, some of the community banks and some of the banks that have more stringent requirements on deposits that don't care as much for the lower lower deposit bases choose to have a minimum deposit requirement. It all just depends on what you end up looking for. Okay. But that is certainly something to look for now that you've caught that. Okay. So disclaimers are huge. I should probably be looking for those. Yes. I think that's a really good piece of information. So let's move on to the next one. So read a couple articles. Radius Bank was another one that popped up. Yes. And so I clicked on it and I started reading. And these are the things that first jumped out at me. 1% cash back. And that is they give you a debit card and you charge it as credit and they give you a certain 1% cash back on stuff. Cool. Free ATMs worldwide. Yep. Which is super cool, right? Because frankly, help me understand. You told me before when we chatted that you haven't been into a bank branch. Does that mean that you only go to ATMs? Yes. So that's a big one, right? That's a huge savings for you. Let's say you take out your fun money every single week, four times a month, and there's 52 weeks in a year. Think about how much money you'd be saving if you took out that fun money in cash. Yeah, I love that. Free ATMs yeah, worldwide. that's a good one. I'm in. Again, this was kind of reoccurring. These are the only two I wrote down, but what I found was the ability to manage budget within the app, which I like. I do like HoneyFi that you sent me. Taylor and I still have to like schedule time to talk about it. I think we'll have time together where we can kind of break down my suggestions on not the psychological side, which will be, you know, something that you're probably much better at than I ever will be, but the the actual method that I would use in the accounting side to make that easier for you both. Love that. But it seems pretty standard, like at most of these neo banks. Oh, look, I changed the term to what you told me to call it. Mm. But the ability to manage the budget within the app, I think, is super interesting. Yeah. I also loved some of the UI. I'm not going to lie. I'm a sucker. So you started messing around with Radius Bank a little bit? Did you get sucked into the Radius Bank funnel? So now I was like, I'm getting my feet wet. I'm like, what's the harm in just starting? Let's see if I just start tried to start an account with Radius. And so I did it. They were like, give us your first and last name, your email. I was like, okay, that's pretty standard. And then I got to the second page and then they asked for my address. And I was like, that seems odd. Your address? Yes. For a bank account? Yes. Girl, how are they going to verify that you are who you are and that you're not Megan Purcell, some hacker in okay, you know the Ukraine? Fair, fair. Okay, so pretty base <laughs> plate, right? What's your email? What's your name? Where do you live? Yeah. And then the third yeah. page, the first question was, what's your social security number? And I exited out of that shit so fast. <laughs> okay, again, again. So, okay, I'm laughing and I shouldn't be laughing because actually I think you are probably not the only one that freaks out in moments yes. like that. Banks are one of the few places that you need to provide your social security number. There are laws surrounding everything that a bank does, whether it's anti-money laundering. So they want to make sure that you are not, you know, bringing in drug cartel money. I think I texted you at one point in the last couple of weeks and I asked you if you thought you were on an episode of the Ozarks (laughs) because you have to provide 
a lot of personal information so that they know that you're not, you know, doing something called layering, which is where you add a lot of cash in from ancillary businesses to inflate your bottom line and pretend like you're making a lot more money than you actually are when you're actually hovering drug cartel money from Mexico. So there are a lot of things that banks are on the lookout for and they need all of your personal information so they can run background checks and run your information through OFAC, which is how they figure out that you're not a terrorist trying to funnel money into like, you know, take down the U.S. government. We did have insurrection earlier this week. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying, I'm just saying like there are lots of things that the banks have to be worried about right now. Yeah. But what about me? (laughs) It makes me nervous. And I, I think you're right in saying, I think other people might feel that way too. Yeah. I mean, if I learned anything from my parents, it was like, don't give people your social security number. <laughs> they will so steal your identity. I will identity. tell you right now that I could probably Google you and dig deep enough to find your social security number somewhere. Everybody's social security number is probably out on the internet. Like that part's not hard to find. It's the rest of it that's hard to find, right? All the little details and minutia that compile together to create a bank account. But neither here nor there. I think... When you find the perfect bank, you need to be ready to hand over all of your information. And that's not just your social security number. That's your address. That is all of your personal information. Because you're also giving them your money, right? Like more than your identity, you're literally about to fork over your paycheck to these people. So if you don't trust them enough to do that, why are you bothering? That's true. No, I think that's a really good point. And I think I have some insecurity with security. And my money. And you've brought this up before. You said, you know, when you go out to find your new partner, we should create a dating app for banks. I think that's a great idea. You know, look for do they have a number of like a person you can talk to, whether it be a branch or a neobank, because what would happen if, oh, here we are again, a wonderful life. There's a bank run and you got to get your money out. That's you got to watch this movie. And <laughs> I feel like I'm going to watch it tonight just so that we can start talking yes, about it like Jimmy normal Stewart. people. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and I was like, okay, maybe my sense of like why would I give these people my information is because I don't feel like I'm talking to a person. So, I almost feel like the next step is keep looking through the banks, you know, trying to narrow down what I need and what I want and finding the right partner and then actually talking to a person. I think I need that. Is that pretty normal? You know what? I think there's a reason that community banks foster Mm. and really thrive in smaller communities. And frankly, why they survive in places like Seattle where you live, there is a time and a place for that. And it sounds to me like you need to have a conversation inside of a branch with someone that you're comfortable with. And that's exactly why those types of banks exist because there are like me being me, I'm super comfortable. I think there was a, it's called a robo advisor. It's like a type of fintech company that takes my money and essentially invests it for me. There was a robo advisor that I liked and I think I linked up some of my money within like 24 hours. And that's just my risk level and my risk tolerance. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go give these people $20,000 and see what they do. But I'm also very used to making decisions like that with different financial technologies. Whereas I think you have had the same bank your entire life. And if you're going to suddenly start permitting someone else to have your personal information and have someone else start analyzing your finances, 
maybe it's better for you to talk to someone in person and be like, what do you guys have that's good for me? Mm, I like that. To compare, just to compare. Yeah, I like that too. That seems like a very tangible next step. I think I still need to continue my search. This isn't like a you're dating, yeah. girl. You long term dating. I'm like swipe right, you know, whatever. But I am. And I think what people don't know, at least I didn't, I'm ignorant enough and I guess <laughs> have no shame, so willing to admit it, that I thought this could be just like a one day thing that I like log on and look and da da da. And I'm like, oh, wait, there's a lot more that I need to ask myself and then actually ask these banks to figure out what's the right one. Can I tell you something? And I hate that I'm admitting this because I do work for a fintech company. This is something that most people aren't willing to admit that needs to be said. You can work for a fintech company. You can work for a bank even. I don't know anyone in finance whose full relationship is in one location. So what I mean by that is whose entire portfolio, all of their money is sitting in one spot, right? The only people that I know of that have money sitting in like one, maybe two places are people that are outside of finance that don't necessarily care as much as like I do to like A, experiment and B, are as willing as I am to give away all of my personal information, like you said. So it's this huge fallacy that people who work in finance or that are in fintech or whatever arm of finance you want to talk about, it's this huge fallacy that we all, like all of my money does not sit with my employer, like it or not right? My money is spread across like eight or nine different banks. Wow. Yeah. And you want to know what that is? I have long-term relationships with a whole bunch of different banks Mm. and I have yet to find the perfect partner. And you know, there's a piece of me, like when I'm listening to you, I'm like, I totally get it. You don't want to trust someone else with your money because why would you, when you've only trusted one person with your money so far in your life, I am the polar opposite. I date everybody. (laughs) And take a minor interest in all of them. I'm like, you kind of suck. You kind of don't. It's fine. Like, I'll figure it out later. I'm such a monogamous banker. Banky. Yeah. And whereas I'm like polyamory. Let's go. (laughs) Like, you know. God, I hope my parents still listen to this. Oh, they will. But but so that's my point, right? I guess don't ever feel like you have to just pick one and it's forever. Because I have yet to stick with just one bank my entire life. Yeah. I have bounced from bank to bank to bank. Maybe I pay most of my bills out of one or two banks. But don't tell yourself mentally that you have to stick to one. I think it's much easier to have one than to have two, three, seven, eight, nine. But for what it's worth, the majority of my transactions come out of one, maybe two banks. And it's okay to have more than one. I just think for the ease of what we're doing, it might be better for you to stick to one so that you can understand the accounting and the cash flow, which is something that we'll talk about a little bit further down the road. Okay. So your subjective opinion, I fall into the trap of ally. How do you feel about radius? I didn't see any weird facial expressions. So I have weird facial expressions for each and every one of these things. <laughs> radius is interesting too. There are a few things that I don't like about radius. Probably the first thing that sticks out to me is that they charge people quite a bit for overdrafts which, you know, some people care, some people don't. When you're trying to figure out your budget and you're hovering near zero dollars, that probably affects you a lot. The other thing that I actually would probably need to Google about Radius is that their APY is trash. Their APY is basically zero percent. So the question is, do you want to carry a balance 
at a radius when you're not going to be generating any additional interest? I mean, no. So I feel like we need to refine my search a little bit because it seems like such a wide net that I'm throwing out into the worldwide net. Yeah. Give me three things that you want. Okay. Three things that I want in a bank. Yes. I want – you tell me if I'm wrong in thinking this, but I really want the highest interest rate out there. Okay. Because I want my money to work for me without Without having having to to think about it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's important to me. Okay. I think other minor things, maybe not so minor, the free ATMs, probably important, especially if it's a neobank. And I like the idea of having some kind of – I like the ability to manage the budget within that bank. And I don't know if they, like, charge me more for that. Do you know? Charge you more for for so like Ally called it buckets, <laughs> which is essentially like your buckets of money, kind of what we've been talking about, like having three separate accounts, the sixty thirty three seven, and so okay. I like having these buckets or whatever inside of one bank inside of their app that I can track them that way. Is that making any sense? So you can track your money within the buckets, yeah. Yeah. So you basically just want to be able to allocate different parts of your account to different things. Yeah. And you also want to have a high interest rate. So those are the top two. Yes. Okay. What's number three? I like the free ATMs. Okay. So you're pigeonholing me a little bit because I really didn't want to talk about my employer today. (laughs) (laughs) So full disclosure to everyone listening, my employer is HM Bradley. They hands down have the best interest rate if you're saving more than 20% of your direct deposit with them, which is 3%. That APY does not exist even at the 50th percentile anywhere else in the market. They have a limit to the number of ATM transactions you can do per month. I believe they limit to a specific dollar amount, but I would need to confirm that. Don't quote me on it. And they also actually let you allocate a portion of your account in different ways. But I I feel like I'm commercializing my company and I don't want you to feel like you need to go there. So I know Charles Schwab has all of those things. So free ATM, I don't know about the budget allocation. I haven't logged into my Charles Schwab account in a very long time, which is a huge security nightmare and I'm fully cognizant of that. But I haven't logged into my Charles Schwab account in a long time. But I think that they're able to do all of those things. And I'm trying to think if there are other things. I know Charles Schwab's interest rate does not even hold a candle to what other companies do. But there's a lot more capability there, let's say, is probably the best way to put it. But I I think that you need to probably Google those three things altogether rather than just Googling fintech company or just Googling bank. I think NerdWallet is a great way to start searching. NerdWallet gets paid to have all of these things reviewed so you could look up and see where there's crossover between all three of those arenas. Mm. I also like places like Stackin. They do a lot of stuff that has to do with banking and they tend to stay on the front edge of financial technology because we all pay them to stay on the front edge of technology. I'm trying to think of who else. There are YouTubers as well, by the way. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I still think it's interesting to look into H.M. Bradley because just because they're an up and coming 
regardless of you working there or not. I also know you wouldn't work there if you didn't believe in the product. So that's why it's like a little bit of a bias for me too. So here's the thing. I have huge buy-in on our product for a reason, right? There's it's like the pros and the cons of working there. I want to be able to talk to you about it, but I also don't want this to turn into an ad for my employer. I hear you. I do. So absolutely take a look at it. Like I said, there are cons to every financial technology. And I'm not going to sit here bashing my employer, but my employer has cons as well. Of course. So what I would say is take your top three things, take a look at those places like I mentioned, Nerd Wallet, Stack In. I mean, there are so many different websites that review bank accounts and they will provide you with the best, this is their top three, and then you can determine it from there. Okay. That makes sense. Should we take a quick break so I can absorb some of this? Yep. Take it. Let's take a quick break. All right, Meg, let's add it up. All right, let's add it up. Remind, remind everyone, including myself, what your one-year and your five-year goals were. One-year goal, post-COVID, really expensive trip, like a $5,000 trip. Okay. So my thought is twofold. One, you need something that's going to generate you interest, like you mentioned earlier. Two, you need something where you can separate out that portion of your savings specifically for your trip, right? Okay. Got it. Cool. So those are two things you want to start looking for as you start narrowing down your search on that bank. Interest and goal setting. Got it. Love it. And what was your five-year goal? I want to buy a house. So a down payment on a house. Okay. So maybe this is where your local bank fits in a little bit more because I feel like if you're already afraid to move your direct deposit, you're going to be terrified when the time comes and you want to take out a mortgage, right? So you're going to want someone you can talk to in person about that mortgage, right? Am I wrong? No, I think that's a really, really valid point, right? Yeah. It's going to be one of the biggest purchases of your life, if not the biggest purchase of your life. So maybe start building a relationship with someone locally that can help you with that when you're ready. Love that. Okay. Great idea. So start looking up local banks and piece of advice. If you decide to go to one of those banks whose names you already know, just remember that they churn through people inside of their branches extremely quickly. Think about the people that work on those hourly wages and they're trying to continuously get promoted, how quickly they'll jump ship the second they find a better job. That's a good point. Okay. I like that. So if I'm going to refine my Google search, do you have specific keywords that I should probably call out that I haven't been? Let's start from the top. So for your vacation budget, I would search for budget allocation bank. So a bank that helps with your budget allocation. I would search for highest APY fintech and highest APY bank. I would do those two searches separately to see how that comes out. And like I said, I would look in Nerd Wallet. I would look in Stackin. I would look within specific blogs that are known for helping participate in that search. And then the third thing that you mentioned that I I don't think necessarily ties to your one or your five-year goal, but I do think in the long run will help you save is searching for banks that don't have ATM fees. And I think that's both for your one and your five-year. And so if I were to shift from your one-year to your five-year, first things first, no ATM fees, right? Second thing is banks within whatever your zip code is. And then go look at their website, right? Like don't just like look up 
their name in the reviews because the reviews will tell you a lot. But usually, if you think about it, like for me personally, the only time I really review is when something sucks. So you're going to hear about like the worst part of the bank, which is good because then you'll know what their weak points are. But also check out their website because you're going to be using that website a lot. Like you, Megan McShane, as a user, you don't go into the branch very often. Maybe this changes because you find a bank where you really like the banker and you want to talk to someone in person because you're going to be buying a house in the next five years. I also think it's really important for you to look at the website and understand if you like their app, maybe download their app too, to see what that's like. I mean, you might not get that much of a feel for anything if you can't go into their app, but at least have a general understanding of what their technology is like so that you have a better grasp of whether or not you're going to enjoy using their technology. Okay. Got it. Okay, cool. So I'm going to refine my search around one year goal and my five-year goal. How do you want me to report back to you next week? Like, What does success look like to you for next week? I think success looks like you being able to tell me this is how I signed up and I was able to redirect my direct deposits correctly and I'm comfortable doing so. I think I know that you're doing this long-term dating thing and I see the look on your face, which is this sounds like a lot of work. I promise you, once you pick out those banks and you redirect your direct deposit, it will feel a lot less painful. Okay. So you want me to actually open an account? Yes. Okay. Pull the trigger. All right, cool. I'll refine my search. I'll report back on how that was. I'll open an account at a different bank. Yes. Okay. I can do that. I'll do that for you. It's time. It's time. It's time. (laughs) It's time to break up with your old bank and monogamously shift on to the next bank like the serial monogamist you Mm. are. Truly am. Okay, cool. This is super helpful, girl. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. You're welcome. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show, follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Wanna Have Funds. Girls Just Wanna Have Funds.